You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. So, Steve, did Ava Gardner and Howard Hughes have a good relationship? Well, they did until he dislocated her jaw. What? Well, don't worry. She hit him back with an ashtray. From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast. Welcome to our couch. Take a seat. It's time for therapy. Movie therapy. I'm Rafer Guzman, film critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture critic and co-author of How to Be Fine. In each episode of Movie Therapy, we offer up questionable advice and stellar movie and TV recommendations for whatever ails you. Please note, as always, we are not real therapists, but we are real movie critics. We sure are real, honest-to-goodness ones. So, Rafer, let's open this week's mailbag. What do we have here starting off? Well, we've got a letter here from Jill. And Jill writes, Dear Rafer and Kristen, after a year-long search, my husband and I are finally escaping Silicon Valley for the country. We currently live on a noisy, crowded street in a one-bedroom, one-bath townhouse. We are moving less than an hour away, but it feels like another world. No neighbors and three acres of land. I am so excited for the change, but definitely we'll have to toughen up for country living, especially gardening. I have the purplest of thumbs and even killed a couple cacti, but I love the idea of growing my own fruits and vegetables. Can you recommend a movie to help me find my inner garden goddess? Oh, Jill, you have come to the right people. Rafer and I just happen to be excellent gardeners. I'm kidding. Rafer, you and I are not excellent gardeners. No, I've never grown. The only thing I've ever grown is a cactus. That's the only thing I think I've ever grown. We do have... Okay, wait a minute. That's not true. We do have an avocado pit with the toothpicks in it growing in a jar, even as I speak right this very minute. So there you go. Wow. I loved doing that as a kid. My grandmother introduced me to that fun little project there. That's a good one. I'll let you know when it's a tree. Um, yeah, <laughs> we'll get back to you in 14 That's years. Right. Uh, no, I, I, I can't garden. Uh, my mother has always been a, a decent gardener. She loves to garden. She loves to, uh, to put her around and, uh, and grow plants and all kinds of things, but I did not inherit that. And, and my dad is possibly even worse than I am at that. Um, and you know, and, and here's a, this is a funny thing. Um, you know, gardening, it's an extremely specific, very narrow profession, not the most cinematic, at least not inherently. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Unless you want to use time lapse. 
It doesn't, it's not that, it's not that cinematic. When things grow, it's beautiful, but you're right. That time lapse is oftentimes the best way to show it or the change of seasons. If you're willing to watch a garden grow over the course of nine months or, but you know, some of it's not that sexy to watch. Like, oh, look, we're doing that thing where it's called crop rotation. Is that what it's called? It's like, now we're going to plant seeds here instead of plant seeds there. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) listen to us talk as if we're really gardeners. Listen to us. I'm really impressed that you brought up. Crop rotation. Uh, Yeah. I do have to say, though, Rafer, just to my credit, I am going to be growing a tree this year because for Christmas, I received a Grow Your Own Christmas tree kit. Oh, wow. You can do that? You you have space for that? Um, You're supposed to start for the first two months growing it in your house. You sprout things and you put them in dirt and you put them in a warm window. And then by the time summer comes along, I'm supposed to be able to put it in a pot on my balcony. So who knows? Maybe it will go as well as your avocado tree. We'll have to compare next year at this time. Oh, God. All right. I already feel intimidated. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, Kristen. Well, listen, what what are you going to recommend to our listener, Jill? All right. Jill, I am not going to recommend a movie, even though you asked for a movie. Instead, I'm going to recommend a British TV show that is currently, at the time of this taping, available on Amazon Prime called Big Dreams, Small Spaces. Do you know the show, Rafer? I do not. Oh, it is so soothing. It is so fun to watch. In Big Dreams, Small Spaces, Britain's most loved gardener, Monty Don, at least that's what they call him on the show, he helps England's uh, amateur wannabe horticulturalist plant and grow the gardens of their dreams. Now, note, these are people who, for the most part, don't live in big, giant open spaces like the one that Jill is moving to. Uh, a lot of them, you know, live in the city or they live in the suburbs, and most of them don't know anything about, you know, the difference between like a plant versus a tree versus a shrub. It, it's all the same to them. And <laughs> None of them have very ambitious dreams when it comes down to it. They're trying to do things like, I want to have a beehive, or I would like a communal garden, or in one case, I would like a garden that has special scents and textures for my special needs child. And it's great to watch their stories and to watch them try to make their gardening dreams come true. And it's also fun because it doesn't always go well. Here's a clip. Although it's a challenge to create an edible forest garden, certain plants thrive in these conditions. Apples, pears and figs can be grown between the taller canopies of trees. Shade-tolerant soft fruits such as currants and Japanese wineberries flourish on the woodland edge. Mint or wildflowers work as excellent ground cover. But Nigat is already worrying about getting it right. What if I get it all wrong? Because I think I bought these plants, which may not be appropriate for the area. I just bought them because I like them. There's no harm in experimenting. No, we experiment still and always trying to push the edge of possibility. (laughs) But sometimes you have to admit when you're beaten and nature wins. (laughs) So this is basically the Great British Grow-Off. That's what... Is that what this is? Rayford, the Great British that is, Growing Show? That is such a good comparison because I've heard some people say that, oh, when there's no more British Bake Off to watch, I sometimes watch that gardening show. And I know they're talking about big dreams, small spaces <laughs> because, yeah, it's like these are people with really good hearts. The show never makes fun of them. It's just like, oh, we all screw up sometimes. And, oh, gosh, you know, we can do better this time around. Only unlike the Great British Bake Off, sometimes when I watch the gardening show, Big Dreams, Small Spaces, I'm like, Maybe I could do that. I feel like I could oh, do that. 
but I don't always feel like I could do the Great British Bake Off stuff. Like I can't make the baked Alaska, but I can maybe. No, that's true. Yeah, maybe I can plant some marigolds and an apple tree. I think I could do that. Maybe. <laughs> I guess you're kind of right. I don't know. <laughs> that also that like like baking, gardening to me just sounds like gardening to me sounds like a really slow failure. That's what that sounds like for me. That's that's what I envision for myself. But but I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I could do it. No, I think you should watch Big Dream Small Spaces, Rafer, because it might give you hope when you see how bumbling some of these people are. And I don't mean that in a mean way. They're just like us. They're like yeah. just as capable as you and I are. And when you watch them make their gardening dreams come true, when you watch them create a vegetable garden that the whole community can eat from, you might feel like, oh, this this is doable. I can do this. All right. All right. Okay. Big dreams, small spaces. All right. I'm yes. I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Sounds yes. good. Well, what about you, Rafer? What are you going to prescribe to Jill here? Well, this was a this was a tough one, this question, because like I say, they're just they're it's such a niche idea, gardening, and there just aren't that many. Of course, the very first thing I thought of was being there, uh the old Peter Sellers uh film from Hal Ashby, but that's more of a political uh satire. And then I thought of Tree of the Wooden Clogs, which is a great film about farming and agriculture, but it's also really depressing. And so I was kind of racking my brain. <laughs> Here's a and, movie about how you're going to lose it all with the locusts. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? You know, it's 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 about, you know, peasant farmers in something like the 1600s or something awful. Um, it's a great film, but, I, you know, this, this is a woman who wants to be inspired by gardening, not, you know, not depressed and downtrodden by it. So, um, and and I'd kind of forgotten about this movie that I've seen a long time ago. Well, 2015 seems like a long time ago now. Um, very small, sweet little movie called A Little Chaos, uh, directed by Alan Rickman, who also stars mm. in it. It's only the second film uh, that he ever directed. Um, he co-wrote it um, as well. And I, I, I'm going to recommend this movie. Hold on. Is this the movie where Kate Winslet's a gardener? Kate Winslet is in this. Yes, indeed. And she's a gardener. Oh, yes. I saw this. All right. I saw this. A little chaos. Yes. I'm going to... I think like I'm one of eight people who saw it. Yeah. No, you and I are, are among the very few. It really just did not get a lot of traction. Um, and I have a lot of good things to say about it. And then I have one thing to say about it that makes me extremely angry. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and recommend this anyway. So here's the, the basic plot of the movie. It's a historical drama about um, the creation of the gardens of Versailles under King Louis XIV, who is played by Alan Rickman in a very lovely, uh, funny, kind of world-weary performance. It's really, really good. <laughs> um, and he gives the job to a guy named André Lenotre. I'm probably butchering the French, but he was the like the celebrity gardener of his day, you know, the celebrity architect gardener that everyone knew. He built the gardens for all the best people, you know, the Duke d'Orleans and the Queen of Austria. He did the Fountain Blue Palace and but of course, this is going to be his biggest commission yet. And so Lenotre, who's played by uh, Matthias Schonart, he's a great actor. Um, so Lenotre could, you know, hire any number of men uh, to help him with this project. But instead, he hires a woman, the Kate Winslet character, Sabine Debara. And she doesn't want to make the same old, you know, formal gardens with the usual walkways and hedges. She wants to do something really spectacular. And she envisions this fanciful, like, outdoor ballroom with this fountain and seashells in the rock work, you know, this really amazing thing that kind of becomes one of the most famous parts of the garden known as the, the ballroom grove. Uh, but Sabine has to fight for her artistic vision and she has to convince the men in power to let her bring it to fruition. And here's a clip. Some of the roses seem faded and overblown. That fate awaits all roses, sire. 
Continue, madame. All roses are open to the elements, your majesty. They bud, bloom, and fade. Is that so, madame? The rose grows entirely unaware, changing naturally from one state to another, and although the elements may treat her cruelly, she knows nothing of it and continues to her end without judgment on her beauty. Alas, it is not the same for us. Now, Rafer, this really is a visually spectacular movie. The acting is great. The costumes are great, obviously, because we're talking about Versailles here. But you said that there's something about this movie that just gets your goat. And I want to know what that is. Yeah. It, well, it's this. Uh, Sabine, the Sabine Debara character, she's fictional. Oh. She, she's, she's not a real historical character. <laughs> she was made up. Uh, there, there was no feminist figure who stepped in to create oh. one of the most famous parts of the Gardens of Versailles. The filmmakers just made her up. Um, and oh. I get really pissed off when filmmakers do this. This is one of the reasons why I really did not like Ammonite, um, you know, a film about two real life historical characters who were not uh, sexually involved with each other and never had any relationship like that that we know of. One of one of whom, le- you know, essentially tries to leave her husband for the other one. But as far as I can tell, that woman had a perfectly great relationship with her husband. They were perfectly matched and had a great time, um, you know, in their lives being mutually supportive. And, you know, I just, I don't like it when movies rewrite history to fit an agenda or to fit the way that they think it ought to have been. Um you know, and I, I guess I kind of felt bad for Andre Lenote, the, the, the real life architecture who actually did design the goddamn thing. And, and here's this movie that's like, you didn't design that. There's a woman that designed that. Um, she showed you. And I just it seemed very odd to me. But I do want to recommend it because it's a really charming, sweet film in a lot of ways. And it's an interesting little niche in a little uh it's an interesting little slice of history that that Alan Rickman clearly knew something about and wanted to delve into the gardens of versailles like who would have thought to make an entire movie about the building of the gardens of versailles and in some ways it's really nice and 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 funny and warm and and charming Many people are not sticklers for the truth the way I am and don't get pissed off about these things. So, Jill, our listener, maybe you can overlook uh, that little one thing about a little chaos. But, um, you know, for me, it kind of stuck in my craw. But there are a lot of good things to recommend for the movie. All right. So once again, Jill, those prescriptions are from Rafer, A Little Chaos, which he loves but also is mad at. And from me... (laughs) Big dreams, small spaces. And now we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, a reminder that we love it when you rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. For example, Steph123456789, <laughs> who recently gave us five stars and wrote, Just what I needed. It's fun, light, interesting, and a perfect pandemic escape. Now, Rayford, did you know that 12345678900? is the PIN number for my credit card and my bank account and my phone to unlock it. 
you can't do that. This websites won't even let you do that anymore. <laughs> you try to put in your name or something, and they'll say like, right? They say oh, that's that's a pattern. That's a dictionary word. That's an identifier. You can't do that anymore. Um, which really sort of has blown all my password protocols. I'm such a Gen Xer. Uh, but it's my it's my name and my birth date. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, but thank you, Steph. String of digits. We appreciate it. Uh, excellent review. Thank you very much. We really do. All right. Stay with us. When we're back, we have somebody who needs a working from home pop talk. All right. We are back with our second letter of the week. Kristen? Yes, this one is from Dave. Dave says, hello, I am absolutely loving your show. Thanks for keeping us entertained and well-cultured during this difficult time. I had a question myself I hope you could answer. I am among the many who are working from home right now. I was doing great for the first month, but now I'm finding it harder and harder to stay focused and motivated. I need a pep talk and maybe a healthy dose of inspiration. I need something that makes me feel like the struggle is all worth it again. Can you help me? Boy, Dave, uh, I know how that feels. Uh, Kristen and I have talked about this many times. Uh, I was just complaining to Kristen before we started rolling here about uh, how my day is going. I'm working from home. I feel like a lot is being asked of me. I'm being pulled in all directions, which is hard to imagine for a movie critic (laughs) at a time when there aren't any movies playing. You may ask yourself, what is the man doing? But I swear to you, I'm working... Very hard. And uh, it does get to me after a while. And it, it is, you know, when you've got responsibilities and you've got kids or maybe you just have a dog or a pet or something or somebody that's requiring some time, it can really feel like everyone's clawing at you and trying to, you know, get something from you and you're being pulled all over the place. And it does. It becomes very difficult. It becomes very difficult to concentrate and focus and get things done. Um I know this mental space that you're in, Dave. Kristen, I, I'm sure you can relate. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a freelancer. I have a lot of different gigs. I am working on five different shows right now that I host. I'm also working on, you know, part-time teaching and consulting other podcasters out there. And earlier, as I was telling you, I'm just like, screw it. I'm just going to leave my house and just buy some Diet Coke. And then I just bought a 12-pack of Diet Coke and some nacho fixings. And that's my big accomplishment for the day. We'll see what happens with work, you screwy people keeping asking me to work. All you people asking me to work, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I got nachos and I got Diet Coke. We'll see if I work. Kristen, what, what, kind, of, what kind of rebel move is that to get Diet Coke? It's because I know we. It's because I knew we still had our taping, and you know I don't like to drink when we tape. Because if I drink, my Minnesotan comes out even stronger, and they're slurring at the same time. You know this. We've drank together enough times. No one can understand me when I'm drinking, except you and a few other people. I, okay, that's true. That's true. We have. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, you're good. You're you're good. You're a good employee, Kristen. There. You see, you're a good worker. You're a hard worker. <laughs> so, Rafer, um, you know we both obviously know how Dave feels right now. But what movie prescriptions do we have for Dave? Well, Dave, I'm going to recommend a movie that at first, uh, well, I don't know. I'll just, I'll just let, Dave, I'll just let you tell me what you think about this one. Uh, uh, I'm going to recommend Escape from Alcatraz Woo-hoo! from 1979. <laughs> Prison drama. You can kind of see why, I think. Um, 
This is a this is an overlooked gem uh, from the tail end of the seventies. Uh, you know, when people talk about the great movies of the seventies, you know, Dog Day Afternoon and and The Godfather and so on, they rarely talk about this one. But uh, it's really it's up there. Uh, it's got Clint Eastwood. Uh, and the director is Don Siegel, who's a great director. He um, he collaborated with Clint Eastwood a lot. Uh, they did Dirty Harry together. Um, but Siegel was one of these directors who could do anything. He did westerns. He did action films. He did the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers Whoa. from 1958. That's a long career. I know, totally. Uh, and this is one of his uh, last movies. It might have been his, uh, it was among his, in his last three, I think. He only did a couple of movies after this. And this is a prison drama. Clint Eastwood plays Frank Morris, a, a career criminal sent to Alcatraz in 1960. He's extremely smart. He's got an IQ of 133, which is getting up near genius level. And once he's in Alcatraz, uh, the inescapable prison, he devises a plan with several of his fellow inmates. And if it works, they will be the very first people in the history of Alcatraz to escape. Here's them planning out their escape. I was digging around the grill back of the cell. I think with some work, I could dig that grill out of there. Enlarge the hole and get into the utility corridor, which leads to the top of the cell block, and maybe out on the roof. How would we find the hole while we're working on it? Well, we can tear the uh, cans out of magazines. No one will miss those. And make cardboard out of them. Paint grills on that and put it back in the hole. Suppose we make it out of the cell house. They'll know we're going up the next count. We'll leave at night. That way they won't know till the morning. Gonna have to make some dummy heads, make them out of plaster, cardboard, or whatever. Put them in the bunks, and the guards won't know. You work in the barber shop, you get all the hair in here. How we get across the bay? That's where you come in, John, because you work in the clothing shop. You gotta steal some raincoats, some contact cement. We'll make a life raft and some life preservers out of it. I read how to do it in popular mechanics. Whoa, Rafer, that is a wacky plan to get out of prison. Will that work for Dave to get him out of his work? <laughs> well, <laughs> it may not work. It may not work for you, Dave. But um, this is why I picked it. Um, I picked this movie because, because Dave, you are the Clean Eastwood character, right? I mean, you're stuck in a cell. You can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. And every day you got to wake up, got to take your nail clipper and dig just a little bit of grit away from the wall of your cell, you know, and, and you, you, you could just not do it. You could just read a book or have some food or take a nap or go sit out in the yard for some sun like Clint Eastwood does every now and then. But, but he does it. He does it every day, bit by bit, one little, you know, fingernail full of powder at a time until he's got a hole so big he can actually fit through it. And that's going to be you, Dave. I don't mean to compare you to a career criminal and a bank <laughs> robber, but if you want a movie about focus and determination, even when it seems like you'll never reach the end, this is your movie. And by the way, it's based on a true story. Uh, and uh, Alcatraz closed down, uh, I think it was only about a year after uh, the events in this movie. So in a way, you you have that great feeling at the end, like, Maybe these guys won. They beat the system and they did what they set out to do. So that could be you, Dave. Escape from Alcatraz. Oh, I've never seen it, but I definitely want to see it now, especially after that clip. Yeah. And Kristen, how about you? What do you say to Dave? Dave, I'm going to say that you have it in you to do what a wise woman from Tennessee once said we could all do, and that's to tumble out of bed and stumble to the kitchen, 
pour yourself a cup of ambition reefer. You know who I'm talking about. Oh, of course. Yes, the great Dolly Parton. And she starred in a little movie with Lily Tomlin and Jane Fonda back in 1980 called Nine to Five. Of course. Now, if you haven't seen Nine to Five, you absolutely should. Everybody who is listening, not just Dave, everybody should go out and see this movie right now or don't go out, stay socially distanced and watch on your couch. This is a classic. It is about three office workers who are dealing constantly with misogyny, disrespect, and so much monotonous work. I mean, a whole day just making copies, a whole day of just sitting there in the typing pool, typing, 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 filing, filing for hours on end, all while being sexually harassed in Dolly's case, or while having the boss take credit for your work in Lily Tomlin's case. Right. It is just terrible. It is terrible. And how they deal with it day after day, Lord knows. But then they reach a breaking point and they try to overthrow the system. Here's a clip. So you've been telling everybody I'm sleeping with you, huh? No. Well, that explains it. That's why these people treat me like some dime store floozy. They think I'm screwing the boss. That's not it at all. Oh, and you just love it, don't you? It gives you some sort of cheap thrill, like knocking over pencils and picking up papers. Now, let's don't get excited. Get your scummy hands off of me. Look, I've been straight with you from the first day I got here, and I put up with all your pinching and staring and chasing me around the desk because I need this job, but this is the last straw. All right, now, wait. Let's let's, let's just sit down and... Look, I got a gun out there in my purse, and up to now I've been forgiven and forgetting because of the way I was brought up, but I'll tell you one thing. If you ever say another word about me or make another indecent proposal, I'm going to get that gun of mine. And I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Don't think I can't do it. Um, listen, I got to agree with you. This is one of the great workplace comedies of all time. Uh, Colin Higgins, the uh, the writer, director, one of my favorites. Um, Silver Streak, Harold Maud. Um, he was great. And, you know, what a cast. And also, uh, we didn't mention Dabney Coleman, who plays the boss, who's one of the great. Yes. God, he's one of the great villains of the 80s. I mean, he's he's the best. He's amazing. Yeah, oh, it's a great movie. Oh, yes. Yes. You don't ever feel bad for him, even though he is tied up on a love right holy system trapped in a bedroom. <laughs> That's it's like, right. I don't feel bad for you. You're you're horrible. And then you laugh at him. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that's good. He's so good at playing that character. Yes. But the reason, Dave, I am recommending this to you is because sometimes when you're in the middle of all that mundane stuff, when you're not feeling motivated anymore, when you are Jane Fonda, who is stuck at the copy machine for an entire day, Sometimes the best thing to do is just fantasize about what it would be like if you could overthrow the whole system, which is what, you know, Lily, Jane, and Dolly do in this movie. And it's so fun to cheer for them. It's so fun to see how they upend everything uh, and how they take control in the end and they come out on top. So even though they have to suffer a lot in the beginning, in the end, they take control and they win. And maybe, Dave, maybe you can think about that and maybe someday you can do the same thing. Well done, Dr. Meinzer. I concur. (laughs) So once again, our movie recommendations for you, Dave, are from Rafer, Escape from Alcatraz, and from me, 9 to 5. We're going to take one more quick break, but when we're back, we have our What Should I Watch Next Letter of the Week. We're back, and it's time for this week's What Should I Watch Next letter. Kristen, take it away. 
All right. This one is from Stephanie. Stephanie says, Dear Rafer and Kristen, I devoured all of Shonda Land's new series, Bridgerton, on Netflix in only one day. Wow. I've always loved costume dramas, but this show took it to the next level. The diverse casting, the steamy sex scenes, and the humor all took me on a ride I didn't want to get off until the end. But now I'm sad because the ride is over. What am I supposed to do now? Please tell me, what should I watch next? Well, whatever it is, it's probably also going to be by Shonda Rhimes. I don't think there are... <laughs> I'm not sure there's a single a single show on television that's not been created by her. She's really just like dominated the landscape. It's amazing, right? Yeah, for good reason. I mean, on a recent episode, Rafer, you said that your family's devouring a Shonda Land show these days, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're there. My kids are all into that and that. And that's why we keep getting the, um, the, the little plug for Bridgerton after it. And, you know, my wife kept saying, what is Bridgerton? Why are they plugging this? What this had this it seems totally unrelated to Grey's Anatomy, and it took us a while to realize that well, it's a Shondaland show. Oh, it is related. It is steamy. There are a lot of people who are possibly up to no good. There are rakes, rakes to be avoided, oh, yeah. or oh. rakes to fall into bed with. Oh, rakes and cads. Oh, so many of them. It's so good. <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, I just got to say, I could have written this letter myself because I also devoured Bridgerton in one day. I loved it. I loved it really? so much. Oh, so good. I haven't seen it. Oh, you need to watch it. It's so good, Rafer. Don't watch it with the kids. Right. Some of the sex is just very sexy. Oh. In a good, right. well, in we'll a good way. Yeah. We'll save that. Oh, we, well, yeah. we've already been through the undoing, so that's uh, that That was our post-kid bedtime uh, uh, watch, but now we need another one, so maybe I'll make it Bridgerton. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love those corsets coming off. You're going to love the <laughs> men riding in on steeds. You're going to love all of the balls where people are whispering and possibly fainting in each other's laps. Yes. Oh, I love it. All right. So good. It's so good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, Kristen, what are you what are you prescribing since 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 you know so much Bridgerton? What are you what are you prescribing? Well, this was a really tough one for me because, I mean, I'm just going to say it right here and right now. I know that a lot of our listeners want us to prescribe Outlander, but. Oh, yes. But you know what? I just feel like that's too obvious. I don't feel like Outlander is the thing to do here. Yes, it's also a costume drama. Yes, there's also steamy sex. Yes, you know, all of that stuff is true. But I wanted to prescribe something a little bit more unexpected. And that's why I'm going to prescribe In Secret from 2013. In Secret. Kristen, this sounds vaguely familiar to me, but I'm not sure if I've seen it. Tell me about it. Oh, you would remember it if you saw it, Rafer. Oh, yes, you would. Oh, I am actually like patting my brow right now because I'm getting a little glistening just thinking about it. Wow. All right. (laughs) So In Secret takes place in the 1860s. Elizabeth Olsen plays Therese Raclin. Listen to my accent. So bad. I love it. A beautiful, sexually repressed young woman trapped in a loveless marriage to her sickly cousin Camille, played by Tom Felton, a.k.a. Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, right. She was forced into this marriage by her domineering aunt, Madame Raclin, played by Jessica Lange. This is quite a cast. Yes. And of course, Therese is miserable. That is, until she meets her husband's alluring friend, Lauren Leclerc, played by the extremely (laughs) sexy Oscar Isaac. The two embark on an illicit affair, and then things get truly wild. Here's a clip. I want to fall asleep in your arms. Mm -hmm. I wish that could happen. I want to touch your body while you sleep. 
I want to wake up with your tongue inside me. you muttering. Maybe I was, I don't remember. Tea? Yes, please. How's your head? Still agonizing. It comes and goes. Perhaps I should rub your neck. Oh, you know, I don't think that's... Oh, it always helped when you were small. You know, you've had so many headaches lately. Perhaps we should talk to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Well, how did I miss this? I really love Elizabeth Olsen, and I'm a big uh, Oscar Isaac fan. And I also love Jessica Lange, uh, but I, I do not think I've seen this film. Oh, you need to see it, Rafer. You need to see it. It's steamy. It's sexy. It's naughty. They do things. The things are naughty, sexy, oh, no. good. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> Now, I will say this about In Secret. Um, it is not uh, the same kind of uh, Jane Austen sort of Bridgerton thing where it's like, oh, am I going to marry the right class of man? It's more a... Should I kill people to be with who I want? Sort of movie, oh. but but it's it's I, I mean that in the best possible way. I don't mean it like oh no, it's going to twist and become a horror movie, and you're going to hate it. It's just yeah. full of danger and intrigue, and it goes in places you never think it's going to go to. And uh, I, I do have to apologize because I know you wanted a movie with more diversity, Stephanie. But um, and there's not a ton of it. We do have Oscar Isaac, who's Guatemalan. And delicious, but for the most part, it's a mostly white cast. But uh, it does have a sense of humor. It's very clever. It's v- it's a very fun ride. And whew, oh, I'm fanning myself because there's definitely some sexiness to this one. In secret. All right, I'm gonna have to check that out, especially since since it's got such a great cast. Um, oh, it sure does. But Rafer, I'm curious about what you are going to prescribe, Stephanie. Well. I don't know if I've done a great job here because I just went back to one of the old classic, uh, classic costume dramas. I went back to Dangerous Liaisons from 1988. Yes. And yes, I, I'm also fanning myself. Oh, oh I fanning mean, myself again. Well, it's Ugh. such a great movie. You know, I figured that, it, you know, at this point, everyone's seen all of the, you know, uh, the Jane Austens by now. Uh, if you're a costume drama fan, that's going to be your first stop. You know, Dangerous Liaisons, it's getting to be sort of in the modern classic realm, right? It's 1988 uh, when that film came out. So it's going back a ways. So maybe there's a chance that our listener hasn't seen it. Maybe she has. If you haven't seen it, for the rest of you out there, I'll describe it briefly. Uh, It's got John Malkovich as Valmont and Glenn Close as Isabel Mertoul. Again, I can't speak French. Um, but uh, <laughs> you and I are so bad. Uh, we really ought to take some lessons, shouldn't we? <laughs> um, uh, so he, you know, he is the you know degenerate playboy. She's a prominent aristocrat who's just been dumped for a younger woman, and Isabel decides to take an interesting form of revenge. Uh, not so much on the guy. She gets her friend Valmont to sleep with the younger woman, Cecile, played by Uma Thurman. But of course. Nothing's ever simple. There's some further complications. Cecile has fallen in love with a young music teacher played by Keanu Reeves, and Valmont mm-hmm. himself is falling in love with Madame Tourvel, played by a really great Michelle Pfeiffer. And just as a bonus, Isabel decides that she'll try to wreck every, all of those lives as well. Here's a clip. Do you know why I summoned you here this evening? I'd hoped it might be for the pleasure of my company. I need you to carry out an heroic enterprise. You remember when Bastide left me? 
Yes. Went off with that fat mistress of yours whose name escapes me. Yes, yes. No one has ever done that to me before, or to you, I suspect. I was quite relieved to be rid of her, frankly. No, you weren't. For some years now, Bastide has been searching for a wife. He was always unshakably prejudiced in favor of convent education. And now he's found the ideal candidate. Cecile Valange. Very good. And her 60,000 a year that must have played some small part in Bastide's calculations. None whatsoever. Bastide's priority, you see, is a guaranteed virtue. I wonder if I'm beginning to guess what it is you're intending to propose. Rafer, I love, love, love Dangerous Liaisons. This movie is so naughty. It has such oh boy. a wink and a nod to the audience, such a sense of humor. It's so wicked. Yes. Oh, it's so filthy, too. Yes. Mm, in a great way. It's so filthy. It really and is. The costumes are gorgeous. Uh, for our earlier letter writer who likes gardening, there's some beautiful walks and gardens in this as well. Yes, that's wanna, right. That's right. If you want to look at some gardens. Uh, but it checks a lot of the boxes Stephanie wants checked. It is a ride. It is. This is it's definitely terrific. a ride. And it's it really is kind of a shocker uh, even today in its way because, you know, these two characters, Valmont and Isabelle, are, are, are such horrible, horrible people. And, you know, <laughs> everyone who comes in contact with them just, you know, winds up regretting it. Uh, like you say, that, you know, the... It's really well written. The dialogue is fantastic. Um, it won the Oscar for Best Costume Design and also for Art Direction. And it was filmed in, I think, northern France. So all those buildings are real. It looks really authentic and beautiful. Um, you know, a little side note. Uh, years after I saw this movie, I, I read the memoirs of Casanova, which are considered like one of the best first-hand, like real first-hand eyewitness accounts of 18th century Europe. And he was kind of everywhere. He was always in London and France and, you know, all over the place. And um, all this stuff that goes on in Dangerous Liaisons um, is totally real. Like Casanova's memoirs, you know, he was involved in all kinds of these awful, complicated, cynical love triangles and sex triangles and partner swapping and like sexual pranking of people, just terrible, terrible things that like these aristocrats <laughs> were doing to each other. And I remember reading the memoirs and thinking like, wow, this really is exactly like dangerous liaisons. I think this stuff really happened. Um, so even though these characters might seem they're so evil, they're so awful to each other, but I think they really did exist. Those people were out there. Oh, yeah. Um, they're bored, rich people. What am I going to do? Totally. I'm just fuck with people's lives. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's got a, what a great bang up of an ending. One of the best sort of final oh. images in the movies that I can think of. Um, anyway, so there you go. I, it's a great costume drama. If you haven't seen it, watch it again. Oh, it's fantastic. So once again, those prescriptions are from Rafer, the great Dangerous Liaisons. You can watch Dangerous Liaisons again and again and again, as I have, because it is so good. And for me, In Secret, which you can also watch again and again, or just lay back in bed and think about. <laughs> well, Kristen, I think that's it for this week's suddenly steamy episode of Movie Therapy. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Reminder, you can write to us either on our website, RaferAndKristen.com, or via Twitter at RaferGuzman or at Kristen Meinzer if you need some movie therapy of your own. Until next time, I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.